0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of TLDR Podcast. Another week is gone. Plenty to talk about here um, on the podcast. Um, we're gonna start by just going around the horn. Um, Tyler, baseball is in full preseason swing. Uh, I don't I, I mean the scores in preseason I feel like are just outrageous <laughs> at times. Um, so what is your what is your feeling about uh the the early you know, parts of the preseason here? Yeah, it's great. It's great to have
1: baseball back. Uh, great to see fans at some spring training games, too. That was such a welcoming sight to see this weekend, uh, seeing fans back in the stands and all that, uh, even at, at limited capacity. But, yeah, in spring training, you know, I'm not too worried about wins and losses. It's more just kind of seeing how guys are feeling. And, you know, Trevor Bowen out the, was out there today for the Dodgers, looked, looked pretty good. Kelly Jansen looked great today. Um, so just things like that, kind of just individual performances. Seeing some some young prospects is is, is always fun. Um, and there's and there's always a few roster spots that are up for grabs. So you so the, so this is the time for you to kind of see that um and and see and see those battles. So that's what spring training is all about. It's all about you know kind of tuning up for the season and making sure everyone's feeling good.
0: Love it, love it. Uh, speaking of battles, Namaste, Eric. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you, Traden. Uh I was last week I was in the Mike Richards jersey. This week I got Attaboy. a WWE jersey. Um of course I blame you, Traden, for making us talk about the Kings. They lose two games in a row. The streak <laughs> is over. Uh it's all your fault. Hey. But, yeah.
0: To be to be fair, it, it it you got I think did you guys lose to the wild twice or was it just the one time? The wild twice, but we did yes. get a point one and a second. half times the, the, the wild have been on a tear i mean they are they are they have been playing so well so um just keep your heads up it's it may not last and looks like the blues are going the wrong direction too um alex how have you been man? the uh, nba is is i mean we're hit are we gonna hit, i think we're hitting the uh, the all-star break soon
3: but i yeah, mean there's a lot up. of crazy stuff going on yeah the all-star break's coming up it's been a weird week in the nba uh some more games have been canceled Hopefully, they kind of get that all sorted out. Um, on a totally different note, I don't know. If, do you, any of you guys watch Letter Kenny? Yes. What? Okay. Yes. When you said, when you said to be fair, I really want to be like, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't because I was trying to be what I said anyway. So, it knows, <laughs> I guess there's only, only one I know what I'm it talking about. <laughs> oh, man. Letter Kenny, though, for that TV show we talked about episodes, you know, a oh, oh, my God. check that one out. Yeah, it's I ridiculous. heard it's a good one. It's great. That
4: lasso on awards, by the way. Just so you know. Yeah, the it's, it's good. It's uh is
2: that butter lasso. Oh, wait, no, the way around. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's certifiably banana lines. <laughs> and uh, last up, James, football's you know, kind of winding down, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the uh, in the offseason, but there's just no games going on. Um, what is what sport have you predominantly been focusing on with? the with the nfl kind of on a you know on their offseason
4: pause uh rugby rugby is where, where i'm at so far yeah really i'm just kidding no it's been, no um definitely wow. hockey man oh wow like i know i know enough about basketball to kind of get by with the nba segments but then hockey i still don't know anything about it so the more i watch the more i learn
0: well so I, hockey mean, is. I mean when i do my uh when I do my segments, you, you're killing it. Um, I'm glad. Is there, you know, is there a team that, besides the Ducks, is there a team that's kind of surprising you? The one way or another?
4: <laughs> you had the Oilers at like six or something. Something super low in your rankings, and they're doing really well right now. So go Mike Smith.
0: Yeah, they were doing well until they faced the best in the division, and now they don't look that great. But we'll see if it changes. They're playing right now. So if you, if you guys are watching on YouTube and I'm looking over to the left, it's because – I'm very, I'm trying to be invested in both, uh, projects here. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, James is going to take us through the AFC West roster needs. Every, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of teams need, you know, getting ready for the, for the next season. And, uh, we're going to talk about what teams need what in the off season. Stay tuned. And welcome back. James is going to take us through the AFC US roster needs. I think we're going to make it kind of a debate style. Is that how we're going to do it, James? Take it away.
4: Yeah, man, definitely. So like the last couple of times have done offense versus defense, and then we kind of decided on one key thing or one one player per position. We're going to do the same thing here. Every team has something to improve upon this offseason. No team is perfect. Um, So we're going to kind of figure out what they need and how they're going to fill it. To this this week we're talking NFC AFC West, not NFC. So we're gonna start with the Kansas City Chiefs, aka the first place losers. They were fourteen and two this season, to lost in the Super Bowl to the Bucks. They had a super super prolific passing attack in the NFL, and their defense was kind of middle of the pack. In the Super Bowl, they only had one sack on Tampa Bay, and that's not a way to win against an aging Brady. You gotta sack that guy multiple times. On the season, they only had thirty two sacks, which accounted for second twenty second in the league for pass rushing. Not good at all. Traden. what do the chiefs need to do to get to the super bowl again next season?
0: Yeah. I, I think that the chiefs mainly need to focus on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I, I mean, I will say that, that, um, you know, their line was, was exposed in the super bowl, but I mean, we've seen this team in the, in the, to get to the super bowl, this team is going to just need to maintain their same offensive, um, you know, octa- high octane um, game. Like that's just how they roll. I guess defensively that they need to, they need, they need to tighten up. Giving up 31 points to the Buccaneers in a Super Bowl and getting completely blown out—that's just that can't happen. Um, so I think that I, I think that uh, you, I think it seems like your cornerbacks are going to be. Um, I think quarterbacks are free agents, so that's going to be your kind of big, big push. I think you either need to sign them or find someone, find someone to fill that hole because. If if your if your defense was is, I mean their defense was okay, but they clearly were exposed, and I think that that needs to be the the focus. And with cornerbacks and a, a few others like a a, a safety um, as a free agent, those are the those are your signings right there.
4: Do you have anybody in mind from those positions that you want to to see go to the Chiefs? Keep in uh, mind the Chiefs have negative cap room; they have negative fifteen million in cap room right now. Yeah, so they got to find somebody who is cheap.
0: Well, um, maybe you're going into the draft. I mean, first, there's some first round targets that they could go after. I see there's a, there's a few um, cornerbacks on there um, that could be targeted, like JC Horn or Asante Samuel Jr. But I, if it's cheap, that's the way to go, <laughs> unless you could find some other guy who will just take a pay cut. I don't know.
4: <laughs> so, Traden's thinking secondary, and he's going to fix it by going to the draft. Eric, what do you think? <laughs>
2: So it's like DraftKings almost like, all right, you just have this much money left. What are you going to get? That's life too, by the way. (laughs) No, you got to compare everything to DraftKings from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think they need to tighten up their defense. Um, I think D-line, they need a D-lineman. I was thinking exactly what you were saying. Tom, I didn't see Tom Brady like really have much pressure that entire Super Bowl. Uh, they need that pass rushing D lineman. Um, one other thing they need is to not be so relaxed on the offensive side of the ball. I feel Like all season, they're losing games by like 20 points and they have the first half, they start out super slow. And then, of course, Mahomes pulls his miraculous crazy throws uh, and, you know, they end up winning and beating the Dolphins like 20, 21 or whatever, but... We saw in the Super Bowl, like, that didn't happen. Uh, it took a toll on them. So they need a coach to yell at them to not be so relaxed on the offensive side of the ball. And they need <laughs> – why are you looking at me like that, James? It's that simple. <laughs> and then it You want to get more.
4: rid of Andy Reid and get a new coach that yells at him.
2: No, they just need the coach to yell more. And then they need Andy Reid
4: might have a heart attack if he yells.
2: <laughs> that dude is heavy set, bro. They <laughs> need the offensive coordinator to yell or somebody, somebody from up top. But they need a D lineman. Um, I guess they got to be cheap because you just said they're negative fifteen hundred cap room or whatever the fuck you just said. But <laughs> sounds like they're <laughs> negative fifteen good million. They need a D lineman.
4: <laughs> uh, Tyler, what do you think?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, the cap space, they really don't have anything. So if they're gonna add pieces, it's gonna be to, through the draft, which their draft position isn't great either. I think they're 31st out of 32. Um That's what so, a runner up, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's gonna be rough. it's gonna be a difficult time finding pieces here. So they're gonna have to find a diamond in, diamond in, in the rough in free agency or, you know, hopefully draft a guy in the first or second round that turns out to be a uh a, a good guy for them. For me, I think I think they need some um, offensive line help. And I mean, we saw how bad that Super Bowl was. I and I I know they had some injuries and stuff, but clearly the offensive line depth is a concern with this team. If you know, you're, you had a few injuries and your offensive line was that poor, um, so I think going in the draft, you know, picking up an offensive lineman in the, in the first or second round, I think is probably one of
4: their biggest needs. I like like that. That's different from defense to this offense. Yeah. <laughs> and Alex, what do you got? Yeah, so uh,
3: I pretty much agree with Tyler, which is really annoying. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they need, I mean, they need offense, offensive line help. It looks like they could lose up to three of their offensive linemen uh, in this off season. They have zero cap space. Um, so that's what I'm like, what my pick was. Um, but just another thing they have to think about is they're possibly losing Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins from the wide receiving core. Um, and obviously with Patrick Mahomes, you are a very pass heavy offense. Um, they're going to have to look for cheap wide receiver options. Luckily, you know, probably people want wide receivers want to come play with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, so that might be something they could do um, a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, after the Super Bowl, they need offensive line help. And they're going to have to do it in the draft because they have zero money.
4: Exactly. Okay. So I went a different direction. I went more with uh, Eric and trading, and I said defense, but more specifically, went pass rusher, as I alluded to in this little mini intro. They were not good at providing pressure against the quarterback. Frank Clark is good, but he's not great anymore. And with that negative cap space, they got to find somebody cheap. Who better than an ex-pro bowler than Melvin Ingram? This guy's coming off an injury-plagued season. He's going to be 32 years of age. He's still got something left in the tank. They're looking to sign him for two years and $10 million, which is not bad for an edge rusher. This is dude who a 10.5 sacks three seasons ago and averages like seven and a half sacks per season. He's going to be good. And he's going to, as a veteran, that's the kind of player the Chiefs want. They're not gonna they don't need a young stud right now. They're just trying to win now. And if they can shell out somebody and cut somebody else to make room for it, I'm all for it. I think Melvin Ingram is a really good choice for the Chiefs.
0: Here's a question for you, Quick James. Um thirty as t- t- alluding to Tyler's point, thirty one thirty first in the uh, in the draft order. Do you pick do you pick to, to position or do you pick the best player available? Best player available
4: at thirty at thirty one, yeah.
2: And they just that's trained. for sure can they just trade somebody to get a D lineman or something like trade a few receivers away, trade Pringle, (laughs) trade Robinson, get a D
0: lineman. He's a free agent. You can't trade a free agent.
4: Yeah. You, I guess you technically could, but I I think wide receivers are at surplus in the NFL right now. It's true. Yeah. Every team has a decent amount of wide receivers, but not every team has an elite edge rusher. Right. And there you have it. So it's going to be tough. You're going to have to throw in something big and a couple of draft picks ahead. I mean, do you think that the
0: Chiefs are going to be as good as they were? I mean, they don't have much room to do much.
4: <laughs> I think they are. Uh, to Tyler's point, their offensive line wasn't that good this season. And that was because a lot of the guys stepped away from COVID. Like, one of the, their starting right guard is a doctor. Like, a legit medical doctor. And he went to Canada to go. He took the season off, went to Canada, and helped out for COVID reasons. I think that's pretty honorable. And, like, that's a, that was a big loss right off the edge right there. And then Eric Fish tears, tears his Achilles. When you lose it to starting offensive linemen, it's going to be pretty tough. That's going to be more help right then and there. So as a group, are we thinking offense or are we thinking defense? Which needs more help? Oh, thanks.
3: <laughs> going back yeah, going back to uh, Eric's offensive versus defense uh, argument we had a couple weeks ago, I'm sticking with my offensive line pick.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys did bring up a point. Patrick Mahomes ran, ran away from pressure for over
4: almost 500
0: yards in the Super Bowl. Offensive line needs to figure it out.
4: All right. So it's looking like the Chiefs need an offensive lineman, and they're doing that through the drafts. Not Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be tough to find a starting offensive lineman at 31. But hey, good luck to you. It can happen. Go, Chiefs. Go. Moving on to the second team of the division, we got the Las Vegas Raiders. They finished at 8 and 8. They were top 10 in terms of offense. That's crazy to think about. They were a top 10 team on the offensive side, but their defense was terrible. They allowed the third most points in the NFL, and I think they're ranked 30 out of 32. So not good at all, Eric. What is the biggest need for the Las Vegas Raiders, and how do they fix it?
2: Well, I wish you would have said that stat because I said better offense.
0: Oh my! <laughs> <But>, uh, <laughs> Their offense is solid, bro. They
2: need a quarterback.
4: A what? Better quarterback?
0: Wow! You're you're out to lunch, my guy.
4: A three-time Pro Bowler. They need a better quarterback than a three-time Pro Bowler.
2: Yeah, because
4: uh-huh. they've only made the playoffs with him once.
2: Unfortunately, that year he broke his leg, like literally right before it. Um, I just feel like he doesn't fit in well with that system. Um, To me, they seem like an inconsistent offense. I feel like there were some games where they had a ton of points scored, like when they're beating the Jets, for example, who the Rams somehow didn't fucking beat last year. But their defense – yeah, I mean, I also, they have a bad defense too, but I feel like every time I watched them play last year, they couldn't do dick with the ball. They were pretty inconsistent offensively. They had a few games they did well, but most of the time, I didn't think they were that good on the offensive side because of their quarterback and they need a better They're one. They're
0: the only team besides the Buccaneers to have beaten the Chiefs, A, and they beat them in the last 17 seconds of the game on the last drive. I'd say that's a pretty damn good. Op- Would that quarterback with a yeah? That was yeah.
2: cool. That was good. One one week of the season. They need to do that more weeks
4: of the season. <laughs> okay, so how, how do they get a better quarterback? Do they sign him or do they trade? Trade them oh, Wave yeah.
2: Derek Carr. Clear well, up some that's... cap base.
0: As looks long as like they the, have a solid. Looks like pick. the Niners will be able to pick up Derek Carr, baby. <laughs> You Derek <laughs> <Carr think> for, <laughs> would you
2: take that? I would. Yeah, I would. Derek for Carr sure. for Jimmy G. Give Jimmy g a fresh new start. Derek, I
4: think Carr, Jimmy G. is an upgrade over Derek Carr?
0: Yeah, he will be in
4: the Raiders. I, I, I would
0: say the Niners win that trade in a, in a heartbeat. Oh my god! All right, we're done with you,
4: Tyler. You're up. What, what do you got? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I, th- I i think some pass rush options for this Raiders team is going to be really good. um So i I. That that for me, I I think they can do it in, in, in free free agency. Um, their draft position, you know, is decent, um, but I think they can find some decent uh, linebackers out there. Um, Josh Bynes is one that comes to mind. Um, so I, I I for for me, I think that that's that's where they I think they'll probably spend most of their money will be on the defensive side.
4: Uh, where's Josh Bynes from?
1: top the time Had I do not know. I just know he's a free free agent. <laughs> I, can, okay. I can I can I can fact check that.
4: <laughs> let we do the facts you guys Alex who you got
3: yeah you know who they really need Khalil Mack that's who they could who They could use um yeah again I agree with Tyler they need they kind of need that guy they need Khalil Mack they need Aaron Donald they need a Nick Bosa they need a leader of that defense they're not getting Nick Bosa calm down James they need a leader of that defense uh you know honestly I did not before we were talking about this, I was focusing all on the defense. I didn't even think about the offense. Couldn't I, if you had told me they were a top 10 offense, I would have slapped you across the face. No way. So Eric, look it know. up. No, I know. I agree with you. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> sure you're true. I'm sure it's true. I just wouldn't have believed it. Um, I mean, I don't they, believe they need this, defensive no. help. I do. They also don't have a ton of cap space, um, but I do think they can do it um, through free agency. Um, are they going to get, apparently josh binds is from cincinnati we just learned <laughs> thanks uh, fact check fact check baby yeah so i agree with i again i agree with tyler they're going to need help on the defensive end um they're not going to have the cap space to go get a star um but just any amount that they can get would be helpful
0: trading um so to to alex's point they do have they're another team that has negative cap space as of at least two weeks ago i don't know if that's changed. Um but one way they can free that up is just as cutting Marcus Mariota that's 11.3 million right off the books right there. Especially because you have Derek Carr, Eric, you're fine. Um I agree I agree with the others. I I don't know how you fix I here's the thing. I I would never was worried about the offense of the of the Raiders team. I always saw that they were scoring points. They just got outscored. Like that's just how it goes. They they just didn't have the defense to to beat teams. Um, so to to you know, I agree with Alex and uh, and Tyler on this one. I think that defense is the is the um is the point point of entry is the point is the point they need to fix. Um, linebacker KJ Wright stands out. That's an option, he's kind of inexpensive. Um, might be another this might be another team that you that, that has to do some some draft work, but um, fix the defense. And I think that this team actually is gonna could be a
4: team to beat. Uh, there was one thing that Alex said that really stood out and resonated to me, and that's the Raiders need to find a leader on defense. And I think they're going to find that with Richard Sherman. Mm. Richard Sherman's a creation this year, and it, both both parties Ooh. have said that they want to work something out. And it's really sad to say, I love Richard Sherman to did that. that was something I just, the Niners just can't do it. They don't have cap space. They can't cut anybody. But to your point, the Raiders can't. You, you think there's, there's a, a ton link of there? People they can cut. You think there's a link there? Oh, 100%. 100%. There's, they've been talking back and forth. He's already and in the, the Bay. He doesn't even people, have to move. Exactly. And people – Wait, wait. What? he's in, ve- in Vegas. That's Las Vegas. Vegas. I <laughs> kind of forgot the Raiders were in Vegas. You're not going to lie. <laughs> oh, uh, a little bit did. of tidbit.
0: Hold on. Time out. I, so I live very close to Irwindale. I did not know that the Raiders almost moved to
4: Irwindale. Like They almost became the Irwindale Raiders. That's kind of a big <laughs> deal. so like, weird. In my mind, the Raiders <laughs> are still in Oakland. Same. Me too. I also made that almost made that mistake when I was doing this part. I was like, oh, he lives there already, but it doesn't make sense. Irwindale Raiders, uh, you can keep uh, it in if you want. I don't mind. <laughs> that that's, fun- that's fantastic. Can definitely keep it in. So I think the consensus is we're going defense because Eric is just wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great background, though, bud. The Raiders need defensive help. The Raiders need def- def- defensive help. Moving on to the Chargers, the Sandy, I mean, no, Los Angeles, right? Alex. Yes. Chargers. yes. I do know <laughs> that there go. Thank you, James. <laughs> <laughs> Seven and nine last season, they were middle of the pack of offense and last third in defense. The thing is they have great pieces on offense. They just got to put it all together. So Tyler, what do they need to fix and how do they do it?
1: Yeah, I agree. It's in uh mid- middle of the pack there. Um, I do think that they can shore up the O-line a little bit. Maybe one, one other guy, one veteran leader on that O-line could help. Um, but uh, yeah, pass rush, you know, defensive side, I think is where they'll, you know, kind of focus a lot of their energy on the good news is this team does have a good amount of cap space to, uh, to, to spend some money, um, so they can go out and, and get a, and get a pass rusher, um, draft order. They're kind of right in the middle. So maybe something will fall to them that, you know, they could, that they can pick up. Um, so I think they'll do it kind of, you know, combination of draft, but, you know, like I said, they do have a lot of cap space. So I think they might go out and sign um some free agents there uh particularly on the the defensive side any names no bosa (laughs)
4: it's just a free agent all right (laughs) you're killing it tyler
3: good job uh alex yeah so the chargers have their franchise quarterback in justin herbert he was amazing this year um you know with having an inconsistent offense and he was an inconsistent player but he's a rookie we'll see better things from him in the future. You know, they have a ton of cap space. They'll probably have money coming in. That's a new stadium they get to play in. Hopefully there's fans coming in, you know, out of the possibility this uh, this upcoming season. They've got money. They they need to protect their – they need to protect their quarterback. So I'm saying they go offensive line, possibly Trent Williams from your Niners or center Alex Mack from the Falcons. I think uh, they have the money to spend. You kind of want to give Justin Herbert big names. Those are, those are big names. They're veteran players. Um, you know, the chargers, if they had, they almost be the chiefs, they almost be the chiefs. They, they have a good team. They need, they just need a little more consistency. I think that offensive line protect Justin Herbert. He's got the legs to do the rest of it. Justin Herbert protect him.
4: Love that. Great answer. In my opinion, we got, uh, yeah, you've Alex is
0: bang on. I mean, Thanks, absolutely on. He's bang on. He's bang on. Uh, he's bang on. <laughs> <laughs> offense, the off- uh, the needs offensively is the offensive line. The re- the, the rest of the offense is pretty stay. It's pretty solid. I mean, Justin Herbert is 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 a is amazing, and it, it is amazing that he was actually he did tremendous under pressure. But as we've seen time and time again, it, it's not sustainable. It's just not. It just doesn't work that way, um, especially when you're looking to go far in in the postseason. So you got to pick up. Uh, and, oh, and by the way, they're losing two two of their um, uh, of their linemen to to free agency who weren't even that fantastic either. And they're um, and Mike Pouncey's retiring or he retired. So I think that's I think that's where you got to focus. Um, I like um, vi- uh, Villan- Villanueva. I like that. I like that um, from the Steelers. That's yeah. that's on that's on the that's that's defense. I think though. Uh, no, he's a tackle, left tackle. So there, there's your, there, there's some options. I think you got to look at, I think you got to look at the draft. They do have 23.8 million of, of cap space. So they have a little bit of room to work with. Um, Yeah. Fix that offensive line, please.
4: Eric, are you going to say safety? Is that their, their position? Need? No,
0: he's going to say quarterback.
4: Who <laughs> no, you I'm got? Say, Chargers keep doing what you're doing, but
2: finish off your damn games from start to finish play all four quarters. Herbert, has what it takes. He's shown us that he will dominate. Get Richard Sherman, get a leader on defense. That's going to help you finish and close out these games. Yes, they need O lineman, but they need to fucking finish off these games. They need to win those 31, 28 games that, you know, they could have done it against the Chiefs last year. Maybe their kicker missed a few field goals, but they need a guy like Richard Sherman that just put him in check on defense.
4: That's a very interesting take. I agree with Alex and Tyler, uh, Traden not Tyler, Alex and Traden <laughs> Offensive line help, but I want to focus more on the center position. I think they should sign Corey Lindsay from Green Bay. Center is the key to an offensive line. Uh, Green Bay had a good offensive line, and he was the key to it. You got to make the calls. You got to make the blocks. Corey Lindsay did fantastic. The old center, Dan Feeney. The dude allowed four sacks and 33 pressures on the QB all season long. That, those are terrible numbers. He's probably the worst center this league has to offer. So yeah, go signs to Lindsay. Oh, and by the, the way, the Justin market.
0: Herbert still did what he did. Can you imagine if he had protection? Yeah. Like I'd be, I'd watch out. That's what
4: I'm saying, man. <laughs> Justin Herbert is going to be a, a threat to this league. Oh uh, yeah,
0: if he gets offensive. Watch on. out, Mahomes, because I think he, I mean I'm not saying he's good in Mahomes, but I think that that team has a legit, legit opportunity to compete for that top spot.
3: Well, no, because I think his Kalen comp hurts. right now is actually Josh Allen, obviously. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: Tyler? Yeah, it hurts, baby. <laughs> he's coming. Oh my God.
4: Last but not least, we're going to go to the bottom feet of this division. That's Denver, Denver Broncos. They're five and 11. They're bad on offense. They're bad on defense. Just bad all the way around. They were hit hard by injuries. Still doesn't really exempt them from all this. Uh, Alex, how do they fix What do they need to fix and how do they fix it?
3: Yeah, I was kind of big on the, on the Broncos at the beginning of the season. I thought Drew Locke was, um, you know, kind of a, a sleeper. He was terrible. Um, so I'm actually gonna go. I'm actually gonna go QB this time. I still think they're going to. Drew Locke is still going to be the starter for now. But I like the idea of them getting a veteran to play as a backup, um, just to kind of help move him along in the process of developing. Um, unfortunately, there's not like a ton of really good uh, veteran quarterbacks on the free agency list right now. They do have some cap space. I kind of thought Cam Newton for a second, but I changed my mind on that. I didn't like that idea. It could kind of work, but I, I don't, I'm not, not feeling it. Um, but maybe somebody like Jacoby Percet, he could, he could kind of be a guy who's, you know, he's shown that he can be good in this league. He's maybe not a game changer. They're not going to drop a bunch of money on him, um, but enough for enough to like have a veteran presence um, and they need Von Miller back. He's the face of the franchise. I mean, I know that's not like a, that's an injury related thing, but. Yeah. I like it. The Broncos suck. <laughs> the Broncos are good. um trading we got. Look,
0: uh, it's tough. I, I I think that I don't think Drew Locke is is incredible by any means. I don't think he's he's that great. But I, I don't think that you need that you need to be trading for a for a quarter I mean the only way you can really get a quarterback that's actually worth it is by getting a I would say a superstar and then maybe Deshaun unless you can get Deshaun Watson, I don't think it's worth it. I think that you need. I think there are other holes you need to fix, especially when you have only one cornerback that's a relo- cornerback that's um, that's left on the roster because, due to you know the others being released or going to free agency. So I think that's what you need to fix defensively. This team needs to this team needs to improve. I I know that the offense is not great either, so it's really tough. This one might be the biggest uh, bit of contention for for this group, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick on the defensive side. I'm looking maybe at Troy Hill.
4: Maybe. Oh, okay. Taking it from the uh, the Rams, I like it. Eric, how do you feel about that? We're not
2: ta- we're not gonna give him to the Broncos. Trading, and I think they're like the Raiders. He's a free but... agent,
0: bud. <laughs> sounded so
3: Canadian.
2: Oh, so
0: if you just give him enough money, he's gonna go anyway.
2: Um, I think they're just like the Raiders, but even worse on offense, and their quarterback is kind of like the Raiders' quarterback, but even worse.
0: Oh my god. So they need
2: a quarterback. Uh, maybe they get a guy like Mariota or like trade for Sam Darnold or something like that. Give Sam Darnold a new change of scenery away from that terrible organization of the Jets, get him over to Denver, change it up, get him in uh with who's the running back? Uh the what's that the guy's name, on? the Chargers Adam? The Broncos? Yeah. Get Sam Darnold and Melvin Gordon together, maybe you actually have a chance on offense. All of a sudden, you got a quarterback that knows what he's doing.
4: Who knows? interesting. interesting. Tyler,
1: yeah, this is a confusing one to kind of dissect and really pick one particular one they really need. Uh, I kind of get the sense they're gonna they're gonna give Drew Lock one one more year to kind of prove himself. So I don't think they're really gonna go for a quarterback. Um, as I kind of agree with with trading on, um, I'm kind of more on the the cornerback side of things. Um, they're they're losing a few. They're going to get Von Miller back, hopefully. So hopefully that defense will get better. You know, at, at a free agent cornerback, uh, maybe a, you know Richard Sherman. We mentioned him earlier, um, or a Shaquille Griffin, maybe. Um, these there's there's a few you know free agents free agent cornerbacks out there. Um, they have some cap space to fill it. Um, for me, and, and they, the, the Broncos has how terrible they are. They do have a decent running game. Um, so I think offensively, like they're not as far away as I think defensively they could use more help. So if I was the Broncos,
4: I lean more on the, the defensive side. I think Drew Locke is done. Drew Locke is just not it. <laughs> they're gonna go to the draft. They're gonna go to the draft. They're gonna pick Justin Fields up. He's gonna slip to number nine because people are not gonna like the fact that Damn. he runs. Okay. So that's what's gonna happen. Wow. They're gonna pick up they're gonna pick up Justin Fields. That's what's gonna go. Wow. That's that's bold man. That's a bold that's a drops to number nine.
0: Wow. Oh, drops we, to number oh. Nine, yeah like something better, I would say, James. This better be on the tick tock or whatever. You need to clip that because that's that's bold, man. Um
2: it's so bold that James just leaves leaves the the
0: podcast <laughs> and he's back. Yeah, that was his mic drop, guys. He just <laughs> mic dropped.
4: Justin Fields is gonna follow the number nine, he's gonna go to the Broncos. That's what's gonna happen. That that would be incredible.
0: Um, hold on to that, see what happens. Yeah, yeah I, I can't wait to see if that if that. Turns out, because that would be epic. Um, is- we'll go over the draft later,
4: but that's that's my segment.
0: Love it. That hey, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Um, I learned a lot from from you guys, and we have we have cool different perspectives. We look at things a little bit differently, um, unless you're Eric, who says that the the Raiders need a new QB. We all have good perspectives, uh, and I and I think that's awesome. Wait until this season, trade Okay, <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> Oh, wait. Um, but when we come back, we're going to take a little break. But when we come back, uh, Tyler's going to take us through the MLB, um, the NL East. Right, stay tuned. And we're back. Tyler's going to take us through another uh, pre- uh, preview for the MLB. I think we got the NL East. West or east uh east i thought you said West.
1: takes uh, away yeah no that was well, NL-
4: not scripted at all
1: yeah not at all um <laughs> the national league east so we're we're shifting over to the national league side uh, of things here so uh let's let's get right into it uh we're gonna start off with the reigning uh nl east champions the atlanta braves uh, in 2020 they won the east division with a 35 and 25 record and lost in seven games, in the NLCS to the eventual World Series champion, Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, in the offseason, season, uh, they re-signed Marcelo Zuna. Uh, they signed starting pitcher, Charlie Morton and starting pitcher, Drew Smiley. Uh, their projected their, their projected rotation will be as follows, Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Mike Soroka, who's coming back from an Achilles injury, uh, Ian Anderson and Drew Smiley. Uh, their projected lineup, catcher, Travis Darnot, first baseman, uh, the NL MVP, Freddie Freeman. Second baseman, Ozzie Albies, shortstop Dansby Swanson. Third baseman, Austin Riley. Uh, outfielders are Ronald Acuna Jr., Marcelo Zuna, and Christian Patchy. Uh, the bad with this team, um, questions in the bullpen. Um, will Smith will now be their closer. It looks like Mark Belanson will leave with free agency. Uh, and then production from guys like Chris Martin, AJ Minter, and Tyler Matzik. Um, these are guys that, you know, have had some success recently. We'll see if they can, you know, continue that, but kind of the depth of that bullpen is a little bit of a concern. Um, the good, they brought back pretty much the exact same lineup as, as, as last season. So they pretty much got the same core group of guys in that, in, in that lineup um, one through eight there. Um, and and they added starting pitching depth, um, which is, which is going to be huge for them. They, they added Charlie Morton and they are, they added Drew Smiley. So I think this team starting pitching wise is, is better than they were last year. Um. So, James, I wanted to ask you about these Atlanta Braves. Um, one thing that surprised me is a lot of computer projections don't have these, this Braves team even making the postseason, uh, which to me is a surprise. But I want to ask you, um, do you agree or disagree with those projections and why?
4: I absolutely disagree with those projections. Like, how, how, how does a computer think that this Braves team that is pretty much just as good as it was last year doesn't make it to the playoffs? It's just relying on analytics too much once again, and that's going to be the detriment, just like the Tampa Bay Rays. I think they're going to finish first in the division. And the fact of the matter is, Freddie Freeman didn't – came into the season and wasn't 100%. The dude was still feeling coronavirus and was still suffering from that and struggling to breathe, and he still ended up being the the MVP. Because I think about him, he might be even better this year. And that supporting cast is just as good as last year. Uh, They did add add a lot of starting pitching, and you said that – their one kind of downfall was their closer position or their bullpen but with an offense that is as good as they are and the starting pitching that is as good as it already is. By the time they reach like innings, seven, eight, nine, they should have like a five run lead. So should the closers really be that important at that point? I think closers are more important for the teams that are just neck and neck and struggling. And the fact of the matter is last year they were, it was a COVID season. So pretty much everybody was, you know hanging out with their team and just their team that builds a lot of continuity and character within the team itself and a lot of good chemistry because this team is pretty much the same team as last year they're that much closer and you see with positive team chemistry and when teams trust each other know each other they perform better and that's exactly what I think the Braves are going to do like I said at the beginning I think the Braves are going to be first in the division
1: I agree hundred percent. You know, my, my jaw dropped when I saw those computer projections. I mean, they were finishing, they had them finishing fourth in, in the division, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, God, so that's I, don't, messed up. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but again, it is a computer and it's not, you know, human beings making these projections. And most, you know, human projections have this Braves team winning, winning the division or making the playoffs for, for sure. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, this Braves team, I, I, I think they're better than they were last year. I mean, yeah, that bullpen is a little bit of a concern. I think that may or may not be their downfall in the postseason, but, th- but this team's going to be great. I mean, they're going to be one of the best teams in the National League, so I don't see any reason why they won't make the playoffs again this, um, this year. Uh, moving on to the surprise second-place finishers uh, in 2020, the Miami Marlins. Uh, they finished second with a 31-29 and 29 record, um, and they even won a playoff series. Uh, eventually, they lost in the NLDS to the Atlanta Braves in the offseason. They hired uh, the first female general manager in baseball history, uh, Kim Ang. Uh, they also added some bullpen help with Anthony Bass and Dylan Floro. And they also picked up Starling Marte's club option for 2021. Uh, their projected rotation will be as follows. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Eliza Hernandez, and Trevor Rogers. Uh, their projected lineup, catcher Jorge Alfaro, first baseman Garrett Cooper, second baseman Jazz uh. Kisholm, shortstop Miguel Rojas, third baseman Brian Anderson, and the outfielders Corey Dickerson, Starling Marte, and Adam Duvall. Uh, the bad with this team is their overall depth is lacking, especially offensively. Um, the good, they have, they have the great one-two-three starting pitching. Uh, they're they're young, they're talented, um, and I think this team overall has a pretty bright future going forward. Um, I just think right now they're still going to be in that rebuild mode. Um, but Trayden, first of all, I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, the hiring of Kim Eng, um pretty significant moment in, in history. Yeah. And then, secondly, um, this team was a surprise last year. Do you see them surprising again this uh, in twenty twenty one?
0: Yeah, no. Um, to to ca- tackle the first one, I think it. I think it's. I think it's a huge milestone. And she, I mean, Kim Ang completely busted through the the glass ceiling, um, being the first woman to be a GM in any of the four sports, as far as, as, as from what I, from what I know. Um, and I think that that's, that's huge. And the, and the, the important thing about that is if you look at, it, it's not, this isn't just a signing to, to appease a, um, you know, to appease one side of the fence, this, she is tenured. She knows her stuff. She's yeah. been with the Dodgers. She's been with, uh, I can't remember where she was before, but it's third. I mean, 30 years. Of of experience in this, it's about time that she was given the nod. She's tried, I believe, five times, and just couldn't. Or been interviewed five times, and she hasn't been able to to land that job. And she's finally given the the opportunity. I believe she was also a top level executive for the MLB as a whole, so she knows baseball. I mean, come on. I don't care. I don't care if you're a female or male. If you have this kind of career you know, resume, it speaks for itself. Oh, and by the way, she's, you know, she'll, she'll be the, she is the first to, to take that spot. So I think that's a huge, I think that's huge. And I think she's finally given an opportunity that she's been she, She's deserved, you know, she's deserved for a while now. Um, and it's a, and it's a huge stepping stone for um, for women in, in executive roles and Asian Americans as, as, as well. Um, Asian American women as well um, to tackle the second one. Look, I think it was – I'm not going to say that it was a fluke that they made it to the to the um, the NLDS, but I think that they they were gifted with a shortened season. Uh, I just think that they were one of the ones that benefited from that. I don't think that they made – they didn't make any major offseason moves, which means that they're still committed to the rebuild. They didn't take that, oh, we made it to the NLDS, let's go for it. They, they're, they're focusing on making sure that the team is – Growing it and developing the way it should, um, with a full season, a full 162 games, I don't think that you're gonna see any major surprises. You may see them, you may actually see some value um, of of the Marlins um, from uh, Sanchez. Um, he did he did have a pretty good rookie season, a great rookie season, and I think that if he keeps that up, there's gonna be actual value and there's gonna be actual stepping stone saying, hey, the Marlins are actually moving in the direction that that they need to be but I don't think that they're going to surprise. I don't, they're no, there's no way they're contenders in my eye. I agree. Um, I think one of my favorite moments
1: of this podcast so far is when we did the season preview for 2020, I joked and said about the, you know, the short season, like you never know what team will make it. And I was like, even the Marlins could do it, you know, obviously joking because the Marlins were horrible and they made the playoffs and they even won a series. So it, you know, maybe eat my words there. Um, but yeah, I agree. I'm going to say it again. I'm pretty confident on this one. They will not make the playoffs in 2021. Um, it's a longer season, a, a longer grind. Watch them make it's, the playoffs
4: again, dude. Yeah,
1: that would be an unbelievable if they did. Um,
0: it, it's tough. There's not an expanded. They kind of got help with the expanded playoff as new anyway. Yeah, so exactly. Exactly. I, just don't think so it's gonna I, I, I think it's very unrealistic. Um, but this
1: team, you know, I, I think we're going to see them get better and better. Um, but they're still a few years away from being serious contenders, I think. Uh, moving on to the third place finish, finishers, the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, in 2020, they finished in third place with a 28 and 32 record. In um, the offseason, uh, they hired Dave Dombrowski as their president of baseball operations. Uh, they re signed JT Rio M- Muto, uh, re signed Didi Gregorius, and signed relief pitcher Ar- Archie Bradley. Uh, their projected rotation will be Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin. Spencer Howard and Vince Velasquez. The projected lineup, catcher JT Real Muto, first baseman Reese Hoskins, second baseman Gene Segura, shortstop DD Gregorius, third baseman Alec Baum, outfielders Andrew McCutcheon, Bryce Harper, and Roman Quinn. The bad with this team, uh, the depth on the pitching side, uh, both on the starting pitching and in the bullpen is a concern. They had one of the worst bullpens of the, in, in the league last year. Um, which I think was addressed a little bit, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, and it, there's inconsistency up and down that lineup, um, I think, is, is a concern. Bryce Harper, Harper is obviously, you know, one of the biggest stars in this league, um, but kind of everyone else in there and JT Rio Muto, I think, is, is very, very good. Um, but kind of the rest of that lineup is just you never know what you're going to get any given day. Um, the good is that they do have some championship-level talent. I mean, Aaron Nola is one of the best starting pitchers. You got you Bryce Harper one, is one of the best – position players uh, JT Rio Muto is a all-star every season. It seems like um, they, they're, they're very close to being contenders. I think they need a few more pieces to, to make it happen. Um, Dave Dombrowski, I think was a big hire for this, for this, uh, this uh, team. Uh, he's won two world series, both with the Marlins and with the Red Sox. So he knows what he's doing when he's trying to build a, a, a championship team. I think they got a lot of pieces in, in, in place here to be, you know, contenders very soon. They might surprise this season. They, they, they might sneak up there as a, as a wild card spot. I, I'm like a fringe wild card possi- uh, possibly, um, but they're going to have to prove pro- um, prove themselves here. Um, they got a lot of guys that need to step up. I think they're one of the teams that I think, you know, went through, went through this rebuild and it didn't quite work out the way they want. And so they need to have some success or, you know, this team can blow up real soon, real quick. Uh, moving on to the fourth place. Finishers in 2020, the New York Mets finished with a 26 and 34 record. Um, the offseason, they got a new team owner, uh, Steve Cohen, who's uh, made quite a few changes. Uh, the biggest one was trading for shortstop Francisco Lindor and starting pitcher Carlos Carrasco. They also signed catcher James McCann and signed relief pitcher Trevor May. Um, their projected rotation will be Jacob DeGrom, Carlos Carrasco, Marcus Stroman, Taiwan Walker, Joey Lucchesi. And then Noah Syndergaard will also come back at some point this season from Tommy John's surgery. Um, projected lineup, catcher James McCann, first baseman Pete Alonzo, second baseman Jeff McNeil, shortstop Francisco Lindor, third baseman J.D. Davis, outfielders are Brandon Nimmo, Dominic Smith, and Michael Conforto. Uh, the bad, the back end of this rotation is a little bit questionable to me. Um, obviously, you got Jacob deGrom, who's one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in, in baseball right now. Carl Carrasco is a great – great option. Uh, Marcus Stroman's pretty solid. Um, Tywin Walker, Joey Lucchesi don't know what you're going to get out of those guys. And we'll see how, uh, Senegar comes back from, from, uh, surgery. Uh, the good, very good lineup. I mean, you got Lindor to add to that great, great, great lineup. This will be one of the best lineups in the league, I believe. Um, and like, as I mentioned before, they have the best starting pitcher in baseball in Jacob deGrom, um, This team will be very, very, very good, very competitive in 2021. A lot of people have them as odds on favorites to win the National League East. Eric, are you all aboard the Mets wagon? And do you think that they're favorites to win this division?
2: Yeah, you actually took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say all aboard, join the wagon. Um, Last year, they led the NL in batting average, ranked second in on-base percentage, and now you throw in what every team needs, good pitchers. Um, they already have DeGrom. They got Syndergaard. They added uh, Caruso. What the fuck was his name? Carrasco. Um, <laughs> but so they, they have what it takes on the hitting side of the ball, but they have pitchers too. Um, it's pretty simple. You get both of those. You got a chance to win every night. It's gonna. We're back to that long baseball season. I think the Mets are going to be built to handle that long baseball season. And there's a good chance that they do win this division. I think it's going to come down and be a battle to the finish, but I have a, a feeling that they could pull it off and win this division.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I have a difficult time of kind of giving teams an, an up when I haven't really seen how they performed yet, especially when they have some, some new pieces and they haven't really proven in the past that they can be successful. So I'm still not going to have the Mets as my favorites to win this division, but they are going to be very, very good. And we'll, we'll see kind of how, how things go. Also, I think we need to start making a tally every time one of every one of us uh, mispronounces a, a name. And whoever has like the most mispronounced names at the end of the month has to like do something funny.
4: <laughs> I think so far you're winning. Just Probably, assume. I can name two yeah.
3: you've already mispronounced in this segment alone.
1: There you go. See, so we should start doing it, you know, just hold. Also, I had on. no idea that Alex Caruso also played baseball. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. He just
2: takes his headband off, puts on a hat. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, he's
1: a D1 pitcher, you know? Crazy. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> move, moving on to the last place finishers in 2020, the Washington Nationals. Uh, they finished with a record of 26 and 34. Uh, in the offseason, they signed starting pitcher John Lester. Uh, signed relief pitcher Brad Hand, signed outfielder Kyle Schwarber and traded for first baseman Josh Bell. Uh, their projected rotation, Max, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, John Lester, and Joe Ross. Their projected lineup catcher, Jan Gomes, first baseman Josh Bell, second baseman Starlin Castro, shortstop Trey Turner, third baseman Carter Keeboom, outfielder Juan Soto, Kyle, Kyle Schwarber, and Victor Robles. Uh, the bad for this team, the bullpen, um, there's not, there's not a whole lot there. Um, that's going to be a, a huge area of concern for them. they uh, their pitching, I would say on the starting end, it's more their health slash performance. That's a concern. Uh, Steven Strasburg, if he's healthy, is one of the best pitchers in baseball sure he's had a little bit of a, of a, of a weird season this year. Um, and him and Corbin, you know, are they starting to decline a little bit, um, with, with their age or, you know, how's how that, how's that going to work out for them? Um, the good great lineup as, as usual um, Juan Soto is a legit star in this league. I would say a top five talent, um, you know, tr- uh, tr- uh, Trey Turner is, is also, you know, a, a, a great talent there. So, so they got a lot of, you know, good, good sticks in, in that lineup. Um, and they still have a chance to compete. I think this, they, they still have a window here uh, to compete for a championship. Um, so a lot of, I think a lot of people have kind of the Mets and the, Mets and the Braves, I think, is the kind of the, the, the two teams to, to fight for this division. But, Alex, I want to ask you about the, this Nationals team. Uh, do you think the Nationals belong in the
3: conversation for NLE's contenders? Why or why not? Okay, so before I answer that, the Braves outfielder, his name is Christian Pache. Ah. And then the Mets' starting pitcher, his name is Joey Lucchese. That's how you say their names. Awesome. Ah. Follow us on GLDR Podcast. Uh, boom. Major League Baseball first. Um, wow. Going back to the Nats thing. They are a team that are. it's going to be complete feast or famine based off of injuries. They could be a worst-to-first team. If they are completely healthy and all of their guys perform at peak level, they could win this division. If they're hurt, if that starting pitching does not go well, they could end up in the basement. It is – they are a wild team to try to predict right now. I mean, if Max Scherzer had a lot of issues last year, I think Steven Strasburg made a, a start last year. Patrick Corbin was awful. But if you think about two years ago, that big three led them to a world championship. So if those three are healthy and if they are performing at the level that they can, they can win this division. Do I think they're going to do that? No. I Scherzer's 37. Strasburg has had a lot of injury history. Patrick Corbin has a very up and down career. I don't think the depth in their pitching and especially the bullpen, like you mentioned, can propel them to a division victory when in what I think is the toughest division in baseball this season. Um, I and you know when you go through that lineup though, that's a lot of that's a lot of good pieces. Josh Bell had an amazing year two years ago, and he kind of shit the bed last year. Kyle Shorber, you know, he's never going to hit three hundred, but he could hit forty bombs. Trey Turner's an all-star talent. Juan Soto will win an MVP before it's all said and done. Um, you know, they've got a lot of veteran leadership. John Lester, Ryan Zimmerman. Those are guys that have been through it all. I do think the Nats are going to have a much better season than they did last year. I mean, think about it in 2019. What did they start? Thir- 19 and 30-something, and then they won the World Series. They're kind of like the Blues of a couple years ago. Same, same thing. Um, the, Nats, the Nats are easily the toughest team to, to look at in this division um i think they could win it i don't think they will yeah i have to agree with
1: you i, I do think they will be much better but yeah there's just a lot of question marks in this team and it's it's, it's kind of a tricky team like you said to, to to kind of you know hone down and see what they're going to do so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens um but 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 this nl east team you know or this nl east division is as you mentioned i think one of the deepest divisions in baseball if not the most competitive <laughs> Uh, there's realistically four teams in this division, I think have a shot at, 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 at winning it. Um, so let's go around the horn here at the end and uh, go through everyone's predictions. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with mine. So I, I, I have the Braves winning this division with uh, 95 wins. The Mets will be, will be in second with 93. Um, then I got the nationals, 88 wins, the Phillies at 87 wins and the Marlins at
0: 70 wins Uh Let's hear yours. I got Mets Braves. Nationals, Phillies, and my Marlins. Gotcha. Eric, what do you got?
2: Mets, Braves, Nationals, Marlins, Phillies. Wow.
0: Alex.
3: Uh, Braves. Fuck it. That's <laughs> Mets. I'm not, not sold on the Mets, Phillies, uh, Marlins, but I think they could all be within 15 games of each other. Yeah. Give me real,
1: quick, real, real tight. And then James
4: Braves, Mets, Nationals, Marlins and Phillies. Damn. So few, a few Phillies haters here. I
1: like it. Um, So that's all I got for the NL East division. Um, We'll take, I'll take a break. So I'll be hosting next week, but then we'll get into the NL central the NL West. And then opening day will be pretty much right around the corner by that time. So uh, we're getting into the thick of things
0: here for baseball. So uh, trading, that's all I got. Love it uh what we have two more divisions remaining yep awesome i look forward to that um these are always good to i mean i'm learning a lot from these uh, divisional previews so we appreciate that tyler uh we're gonna take a quick break you're gonna hear from our sponsor and when we come back eric's gonna take us through a discussion around player roles and give some recognition to some roles on teams that otherwise we don't we kind of overlook stay tuned and we're back eric's gonna take us through another great discussion uh, around player roles and you know we in all the sports that we cover there's many different players and other than this the superstars that we tend to kind of focus on Um, so I think, you know, I think Eric wanted to kind of give some recognition to some player roles and kind of get a good discussion over the other side of some teams as well as, you know, which sports kind of focus on their superstars over others. So Eric, why don't you take it away?
2: Yeah, um, you know, call it discussion, debate, argument, agreement. We're going to do all of that right now, right here. Um, so first off, just to start it, um, you know, I'm thinking which sports are superstars most important and focused on? Uh, in my eyes, it's got to be NBA. Um, I believe they're the highest paid athletes in the world. Um, you know, it just it goes to show. that's the North America,
0: anyway. Maybe. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. In, in places that aren't Canada, I guess Toronto Raptors, though. But, uh, you know going on the op- opposite side like which sport uh is that situation completely the opposite i would say um, hockey most likely we were kind of talking about this like in the beginning of the podcast um alex you're our nba guy um y- why do you think like these nba superstars you know they get the most attention uh
3: the most money like why do you th- why do you think uh our world is like that i mean it's kind of just a numbers game. If you really think about it, there's only five guys on the court at the same time, you know, every other, all the other three professional sports, you know, baseball's nine footballs, 12 hockeys, I guess is technically also five, but they switch off so much more frequently than basketball players. I mean, I guess there's six, including the goalie, but for hockey, but I mean, if you just look at recent NBA history, I mean, If you look at someone like LeBron James, I mean, he took some Cleveland Cavaliers teams who, other than himself, had just, I would say, mediocre to average players at best, especially after Kyrie left, and he took them all the way to the NBA Finals. And then you look at baseball, the best player on the planet has been to the playoffs one time, and that's Mike Trout, and he's had mediocre to average players on his team the entire time. So yeah, they make a crap ton of money. Um, we talked about it last last week on the podcast is the NBA also markets their players better than any other sport out there. I mean, LeBron James, um, I just saw something about it. He's, you know, the high the most popular professional athlete in the United States in the world. He's number seven and everyone else is a soccer player. And then there's one cricket guy because there's a million people, a bajillion yeah. people in India. I know it was crazy. I didn't know who the guy was, but crazy. Um, yeah, you know, In the NBA, if you don't have a superstar, it doesn't, you will not win the championship. It comes down to that. You have to have one of the top guys or you're not going to win. And in the other sports, I think that's very debatable.
2: Yeah. That's a, that's a great look on it. Actually. I threw kind of just like a quick deep question at you. That was a great answer. Um, I didn't even think about that. Just like the least amount of guys on the court, but yeah, you know, you look at these NBA markets, we talk about it too. Like, certain markets drive certain players. Um, and that, you know, makes the league go around that brings a lot of money to the league. Therefore it brings more money to these superstars and they are that important for your team's success. Um, James, I mean, where would you say fo- you're our football guy? Like where's football in this category? There is like high paid athletes. There's also guys I feel like that are underpaid in that sport. Um, that are like, you know, either upcoming superstars and be like a guy like Justin Herbert or something, you know, or um, or that that D lineman on the uh, what's it Chase Young on the Redskins football team. You know, there's guys like that that are underpaid, but on their way to becoming superstars, you know, like how important is that to the NFL?
4: So you can have a really good talent come out of the draft and they're forced to sign a contract. That's laid out by the players' union in the NFL. They have no say in how much they get the first three to five years coming out of the draft. So yeah, every single one of those rookies are going to be underpaid if they're going to be good. If they produce mildly to expectation, they're going to be underpaid. And it helps a bunch. People, teams are shelling out to get big name guys, and then they cut some veterans to make room for rookies. And you see it with the Niners that happened last season. One of the best defensive linemen on their team, one of the best defensive linemen in the league, DeForest Buckner was traded to the Colts, A, to cut costs, and then they drafted a rookie defensive lineman who was raw and was supposed to be full of talent. And he is. He's got some, some like, a way to go, but he costs $100 million less than DeForest Buckner does. So having rookies on rookie contracts is what makes this league go around.
2: Yeah, that's a, that is a... Uh, A trend in the NFL. Um, And, you know, I feel like a lot of, you know, contracts in the NFL are a little shorter, too. You know, you get a guy like a two year contract. It's almost like he's got to prove himself. Uh, They're testing the waters with them. So trading, you know, we talked hockey, probably the uh, opposite. We're like, I mean, yeah, there's superstars. You're McDavid's, you're Austin Matthews. But, you know, these guys don't make as much money. And sometimes, like, look at the Leafs. They had, like, the highest paid line last year, and they lost in the playoffs first series like they have in the last, like, five, you know, four or five years. Uh,
0: what is to say about this in the hockey world? Yeah. it Look, it, it's it's a little bit different than – it's a lot different than the NBA. Uh, the game's just different. Um you hear about it every time free agency or a team's looking to rebuild or a team's looking to contend. And the reality is, you know, your top six is extremely important and the top six forwards are your first two lines. They're going to be, they're going to be compared against everyone else in the league. You know, if you look at um, you know, you look at a team like the avalanche, they probably have the, one of the best uh, you know, top six players in the league, just, just based on all around that depth up there but really when it comes down to it is your is if your team can can sign and and play, play hockey players at the at the at the NHL level i mean the NHL level is completely different than than the AHL level which is the which is the league just below um uh, there and that is a quite a huge stepping stone and so it, 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 you hear it all the time that you know, you're looking for players. you are looking for NHL caliber players because it doesn't matter if you have a Connor McDavid. And I can t- I can attest to that. We signed him, or I'm I'm sorry, we drafted him in 2015, and we, he's seen the the postseason once. Very similar to a Mike Trout situation, and you know, just now they're starting to get that that depth and that ability to actually perform. So, you clearly, as much as the player can can take over a game, and Connor McDavid has, and Austin Matthews has, you need you need NHL caliber players in the depths of your roster to compete. It's that's just how it goes. If you're wanting to, if you're wanting to succeed case in point, look at, look at my uh, look at our talks about the Tampa Bay lightning this past postseason. they are the deepest team in the league. No, they, they, yes, they have Kucherov who's one of the best players on the planet as well, but below that they don't have a, they don't have a Leon dry but they have so much depth throughout the lineup that, you know, even a fourth liner probably would be cracking a third line on any other team. That's that says a lot about about the team like that. And that's just how you how you perform. That's says how you perform as as a team. You have to you have to play to a hard cap and that makes it tougher. And it's just a different dynamic than the NBA. Yeah.
2: That's crazy. I was just thinking about the lightning as you're talking about this. Like, cause at the deadline last year they got this like Bark Barclay Goodrow, like a fourth liner from the Sharks, you know, like love that guy. He ended up being super important to Love them, scoring like dirty grind goals in those important games against the Stars in the cup final. Um, they had they signed Shattenkirk, you know, who's now in the Ducks, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, he was another guy that became like a glue guy for them. He was like one of those, you know, three out of the four main defensemen that played well for them. They got some other dude from the Devils that my, his name is slipping me, but you know, another fourth liner that was just putting in work for them. Um, gets me into the next question, Tyler, like in baseball, you know, you got the designated hitters on one side of the league, but you know, we were talking basketball earlier, like, you know, you get your superstars. They're playing every night. Usually it's not like, unless they're load managing, <laughs> but you got your guys playing every night in a, football and and basketball, but baseball, like you're rotating pitchers, you know, like not everyone's going to play every night, your designated hitters, your pitchers, like how are they, are they valuable to the team? Like, you know, cause you have your superstar pitchers, but you also have like these other like kind of no name pitchers that we were talking about with the NL East earlier, like how do these roles play in, in baseball?
1: Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, and I think most people agree. I mean, I think pitching is the most important position in baseball. Um, you got to have pitching. You got to have a lot of it um, because you mentioned, you know, you're rotating guys every night. They're starting pitchers are pitching every fifth day. So you got to have, you know, one through five be pretty solid for you to win all those games. Like, yeah, obviously, you know, your position players that are in there every night are also important, but the starting pitching is what's going to drive the momentum of that team. Most of the time, if, if, if your pitcher's up there throwing up zeros, I mean, that's going to help a team because he's doing that consistently every inning, that same guy you know um and if you can have a guy that goes out there who has a you know a sub of sub two or two era you know it's and the the confidence that 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 gives a team that this is your guy he's gonna go out there and he's gonna shut down that that other team It, it just gives your team so uh so much confidence and there's a reason why pitchers are the highest paid players in baseball um even though they don't play every day which is kind of a kind of a crazy thing for a lot of people to grasp um but that's just kind of the the way it is, you know, because they are that important. And when they are playing, you know, they're doing most of the work. Um, So uh, pitching is kind of an interesting position. It's, it's, it's hard to compare it to anything else. Um, It's, it's very unique, Um, but it is, I think pitching is very, very important As, as, as much as it is for your ACE, your number one guy, as it is for even your, your number six guy, the guy that has to fill in for guys that get hurt. Um, it's it, it's very very important to have a, a pitching depth is is i would say an essential part of a championship team
2: hell oh, yeah would definitely agree with you on that um i kind of want to wrap it up now um if if you guys are able to think of these like glue guys is what i like to call them in like each sport that stand out to you for me basketball world i'd say like no bias here, Lou Williams, um, big glue guy, big bench guy. Montrez Harrell, for sure, big glue bench guy. Like the NBA, you hear a lot about the bench players. They're like just as important as, as the superstars because while, while the superstars are resting, they are the ones gathering all the points, hopefully keeping the other team off the scoreboard. Um, in the hockey world, I think of like Lucic. You know, I always bring this guy up, <laughs> Trading <to street. laughs> like a Luchich once was a good glue guy, like in his Bruin era, um, you know, getting the, the Grammy goals, fighting, protecting the main players. Uh, that was an, an older world of hockey. Um, football, I'm, like I'm trying to think here on the spot football wise, uh, I might have to come back around. But James, who do you, <laughs> who do you got in the basketball world, the hockey world? football world who do you got as a glue guy that sticks out to you
4: there isn't one particular person or like athlete who is a glue guy I'm just gonna go with offensive and defensive linemen Uh, like a nose tackle for on the defense they don't get any recognition whatsoever yet they're still getting the job done and you don't ever hear about any offensive linemen unless they're doing terribly so if you don't ever hear about them they're doing a good job they're glue guys they make a team work
2: that's true i it's i don't really know many offensive linemen in the nfl and i i should just like learn all their names and quiz you on it to see if you actually know them but yeah you're right those are big glue guys in the nfl world um uh, tyler baseball wise who are some glue guys i mean what position would you call a glue guy would you call it like a backup pitcher like a closer or what like what are we talking here hold we'll Yeah. You know, uh, like, you're real uh... take
1: yeah, you're a utility guy who's kind of a, a player on your team that can play multiple multiple positions if needed. Uh, so for me, the most recent guy that comes to mind is Kike Hernandez. He uh, was on the Dodgers for a long, long time, now with the Boston Red Sox. But, I mean, that guy, he played every position except for catcher. Um, so that is a super utility guy, a guy that can play anywhere. I think every team needs at least one of those guys. And he's a guy, I mean, he, he played a lot of positions, but he was in the lineup almost every night because he was giving guys days off or, you know, guys were hurt. Um, he was just a guy that was constantly being rotated in uh, where, where, wherever he needed. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do. You know, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of baseball guys specialize in a certain position and look lost if they're anywhere else on, on, the, on the field. Um, but, you know, Quique Hernandez is, I think, what, probably the ultimate, you know, super utility guy who not only is good defensively, but is pretty solid on, on the offensive side too. Um, so I think baseball wise Keegan Hernandez and also hockey I want to just mention one name Trevor Lewis LA King oh yeah that guy was one of my favorite kind of under the radar players there for the LA Kings for a lot of years
2: super glue guy yeah um Alex NBA wise any uh anyone that sticks out to you role players you could say baseball whatever sports are on your mind
3: yeah, I like the guys that you picked with Lou Will and uh, Harrell, but I'm going to go back. I don't believe he's in the league anymore, but Jamal Crawford, another another Clippers guy, uh, six. pretty much whoever's going to win sixth man of the year, that's the guy you want on your team. Um, and, you know, and just like we – and I personally think with with the NBA compared to the other three major sports, those role guys, you need them less often than the other – ones i mean we talked about there's less guys on the court at the same time but the roster like the active rosters are also tiny compared to the other i mean it's 12 guys where football's 53 right james yeah 53 so like this it's not even it's kind of not comparable um but yeah any any guy on in an nba squad that gives you bench scoring or bench elite defense that's that's the the kind of grinder guy that you want on your team. Yeah, Schroeder. I
2: would say Schroeder too, who's now on the Lakers. Like I thought he was going to get that six man award last year when he was on OKC. Um, Trading. Did you say some hockey guys already? I can't, I
0: uh, no, no, I ha- um I haven't. Um, I would say a Pat Maroon. Pat yeah, Maroon. that's uh, a good fit. The way the way he he. he just the way he commands the ice when he when he's when he's there he's he's he battles like hell, um, and then most recently I got to give my I got to tip my hat to Alex Kalorn of the uh, uh, he played it with Tampa Bay. Those are the players that make a difference. You can inject them into the first line if you need some if you need some uh, some toughness, some truculence. You could put them down, down below, and they'll still score some goals, and they'll get in the dirty areas. And if they're and if they're playing well enough, they can actually play against the best on the ice and give your guys a chance to to play against the the, the weaker lines as well, giving your high octane offense the chance to, to to win games. I mean, that's that's what those are the players are about. So I'm gonna give Alex Cloran and uh, Pat Maroon a huge huge tip of my hat on that one.
2: So really, you're like a Lightning fan, basically, is what you're saying.
0: Basically. Well, look, guys. I mean, look what they did. They they dominated all the way down the lineup, and that's what they do. And these guys aren't paid a lot. These guys are these guys are the the these guys are getting paid a million dollars a year, and that's low. That's that's and these guys are like thirty some years old. They're veterans, and they're getting paid that. That's yeah. that's the type of players you need. And if you surround yourself with that on the bottom of your of your uh, roster, your your top guys should just be able to to you know. Win those, win those tough built games. As long as, as long as you're keeping the puck out of your own net when you're on the ice. Last thing I would say, if we were a team, I'd say Alex and
2: James would be our superstars. Probably me, like trade Tyler, the glue like guys. Um, <laughs> James, we're making the big bucks, baby! Wow, Love maybe, it, dude. maybe <laughs> me and Tyler switch off being team manager. Who knows? But,
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> what Everybody's, sport are we playing? Uh... Over. Beer Dude. mile. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> that's not going to go well with me.
0: Love it. I can't. Yeah. Run. That's all I got. This week. <laughs> I love it. Eric. They, those discussions are always great. I think that was just, just another one. Um, love those debates. Um, when we come back, we're going to have our final, um, final segment of the, of the week. Alex is going to take us through another set of NBA topics to talk about. Um, stay tuned for that. Welcome back. Alex, you're going to take us through another uh, week of, of topics it's regarding the NBA. Um, take it away.
3: Yeah, so as, as always, before we get into it, uh, we've got to do a little update on the fantasy. Uh, I did win this week, so I'm 8-2. and two. Uh, Tyler had a big win. Get back you're to 5-5. Five five. That's, uh, you know, he's at 500. And then James just shit all over-traded. Just... <laughs> opened up his sphincter and just a whole bunch of poo came oh, out. Oh dang. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I got a little graphic. A lot of what a visual. Lot of lot of yeah. I mean, that's really uh, what it felt like though. So. <laughs> yeah. so James is 7 and 3 and Traden's team has just fallen out of contention. Let's be honest, he's 3 and 7. I'm done. It's like, yeah, we'll move on from that. Sorry for the uh, the, uh visual there. Um <laughs> But, yeah, so we're – this week um, with the All-Star break coming up, I mean, there are some NBA topics that we can go into, but kind of a lot of weird, like, almost like, I guess, political stuff happened in the NBA this week, and I thought we should talk talk about it. Um, Before we get into those three, with the All-Star break coming up, it's time to do, you know, the first half of the season, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. Um, There's been a lot, I would say, in this NBA season. Um, Eric's going to talk about this, but boys, if you have ones you want to interject with, please feel free to do so. Um, so Eric, let's start, let's, let's start on a positive note. Um, who's been the biggest surprise so far in the NBA season for you?
2: I got one team in the East, one team in the West. Okay. And you know, I guess I'll finally say it. I was wrong. The Philly 76ers, probably the biggest surprise to me in the East. Actually
4: surprise in the East. Really? Yeah. Because I said – You thought the Knicks were going to be number four in the East going on an all-star break.
2: Because I said the 76ers were weak, lazy, and slow. I remember saying it like <laughs> the second week the basketball season began this year. Um, and they can be every now and then, but this year they're pretty much not any of that. They're pretty like powerful, dominant, uh, good all-around team. In the West uh, – I guess I'll say it to the Utah jazz. All these kids keep getting on us in the power rankings. They're just a good all around team so far. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens in the second half of the season. I don't think they're going to hold on I to got, that.
0: I, I think, on I, think on first.
2: I think they have a good team, but I think I don't think they're going to survive uh, as much in the second half of the season when they they're going to play some tougher teams um, and Getting them into a playoff series, they're gonna go deep with with some tough teams. I don't know if they could finish off series though. So those are my biggest surprises. Um, James doesn't agree with me, but it's okay.
3: Yeah, James, you well, go go ahead.
4: Oh, uh, you just said that they're gonna play some tough teams in the second half, and it's no. They played all the toughest teams in the first half already. They played in the West. They played all the West teams a lot which is the toughest teams in this league <laughs> to have to play some of the East teams, the second go around, they're probably going to demolish them just as much.
2: But it's going to make them not as good because they're playing weaker teams, you know? So then they're going to, they're just not going to be ready for the West teams once
3: they play them again. So what's going to happen? Cause I don't <laughs> like the Jazz and I don't want them to win. So. <laughs> hey, um, okay. So I can see what you're <laughs> saying about the 76ers. I know you were hating on them early. So. I kind of like the fact that you picked them as your biggest surprise because I know you've shit on them a lot on this podcast. But James is right. The biggest surprise is the Knicks. I mean, they're the Knicks of all teams. Like, in our entire lifetimes, they've always been terrible. I mean, they're the, like, they're the Knicks. Like, what else do you need to say? <laughs> but you're right. They're the, James, you're right. They're the four seed. They're a game over 500. Think about the teams that they're above in the standings right now. The Miami Heat, they were in the NBA Finals last year. The Boston Celtics, they were one of the teams to beat in the East. The Toronto Raptors, they beat the Golden State Warriors two years ago in the NBA Finals. The Indiana Pacers, the the Knicks are having an incredible season and good for them. Um, you know, I hope they can continue to do this. Um, and then in the West, I, you know, maybe a big surprise team is the Spurs. They're the five seed. I mean, if you read my power rankings, it always starts out with do not count out Greg Popovich. Done. That's all you really need to say. He's the best coach in the NBA. It's not even a question. Um, but let's go, Eric. Let's go back to disappointments. You know, maybe we'll get another hot oh take. God, here. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. what? Yeah. So we start. We started off happy. We're going to go now. Sad. Who? What teams or team have been the biggest disappointment in your eyes so far? Got first three, half of the season. Three. Okay. Three. Um, after this month of February, the Celtics.
2: Um, have become a disappointment. Finally, you guys agree with me? I see it in your nods, in your faces. Um, First time maybe, all night. Good which, job, Eric. But another thing is um, when Alex asked me, like maybe it was like a month ago when Marcus Smart went down, like how are the Celtics going to be? I was like, they'll be fine. Like <laughs> they're a good team. They, they got depth, got uh, glue guys, you know, they, got a, they got, a, got, a, got a lot of good players that step up. Um, I was wrong. they've gone seven and nine the month of February um, and they're, they haven't, they've been losing to some bad teams. Um, Of course they came back a 16 point lead that the Clippers had on them. They came back and beat us, but without Marcus Smart, you know, I guess he's pretty important for that team. Another team uh, disappointment, the wizards. Um, It's not like we expect them to be that good, but, they did get Westbrook. You know, you think when you get an NBA superstar like Westbrook, a guy that hustles, you know, gives you full energy every night, um, you know, that you're going to have a better team. Like, like you, I thought him and Bradley Beal would just be a better combo. Um, they are battling every night. Uh, they've been on a better, like, little streak. Um, they're going to battle for that eighth seed. We'll see if they get it. Um, my team in the West, biggest disappointment. Yeah, the Clippers. Um we can't beat a fucking good team when push comes to shove uh, in the grind time, the prime time, two minutes left. We're playing the nets twice winning, lose that game. Can't hold on to the lead. When it comes out of the crunch time yesterday to the bucks crunch time, two minutes holding on to the lead. Uh, they scored nine unanswered points on the Clippers yesterday. Um, I think, the Clippers, when they beat good teams, like they win by like 12 or 15 points. We kind of saw that against the Nuggets a little bit last year and the Mavs in the playoffs. But then like those close games, um, those close matchups, and they come down to the wire in the last two minutes, like they can't fucking finish them for some reason. And they need to learn how to do that in the second half of the season or it's going to be another, another shit show in the playoffs. I could just see it happening. So they're a little disappointing right now to me, even though their record doesn't say that. I, I'm a little worried about them just being able to finish off
3: against good teams. Um, okay. So starting with the Clippers, you know, they are one of the elite teams in the, in the association, they have a very good chance of winning the whole thing, but you are, you are right. It is a worry. If you are a Clippers fan, I mean, they had the three, one lead against nuggets last year. That, that blew away they have been losing to good teams when they've had league, when they've had leads and it's been an ongoing problem for them uh, for this pretty much this entire season I think they can turn it around I do think that they're they still have a very good shot but when it gets down to the playoff times and crunch times they're gonna need they're gonna need to close out games you know PG's been hurt kawhi has been missing some games too you know they've they haven't really gotten in their groove Um, And that was kind of their problem last year too. I still think the Clippers are going to be okay, but I completely understand what you're saying there. Um, For me, I think, you know, I was high on the Pelicans and they're kind of a disappointment to me, but also the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, they're only a game, I mean, it's kind of crazy because they're a game above 500, which would mean if they were in the East, they'd be the four seed, but in the West, they're the nine seed. Uh, Luka Doncic, I, I mean, you guys have heard me. I'm all on the Luka Doncic train. Uh, I maybe he just needs more help they've been a little bit of disappointment to me um in the going back to the east i love the celtics pick they kind of they kind of ruined my take on your segment eric where i'm saying you need a you only really need a superstar and they have two of them and they're not doing well so it doesn't really work out that great for me um but also the pacers they're three games under 500 you know they have really good players too the pacers should be much better than that um well, you know, we'll have to see what these teams do. We're only halfway through, uh, but it's a quick season again. Um, and again, we'll we'll talk more about the expanded playoffs as they kind of come, as it kind of comes more into fruition. But
2: I actually got one more surprise team. Just yeah, a go quick. For it. Mention. I got to give James some credit on the fucking Warriors. <laughs> um, I think they will make the playoffs this year, and I didn't expect them to, but hopefully they don't.
3: I mean, I've also shit on the Warriors quite a bit, so. Uh, well, yeah, we'll move on from that. Um, <laughs> these next three topics are going to be a little off brand, I guess, for us, they're going to be a little bit more serious. I mean, we have had some serious topics on this podcast before, um, but starting off with number one, there's been some conversation around the NBA. Um, and you know, one of the current, current stars in the NBA, Kyrie Irving, voiced his opinion on changing the logo who is Jerry West. He's one of the all-time greats in basketball. Um, he's currently helps run the Clippers organization. Um, the, he wants to change the logo from Jerry West to Kobe. I thought we had to talk about this. It, it seems like a really drastic thing to do. Um, you know, obviously with Kobe's unexpected death, you know, he's, he's kind of come into like this godlike. um persona. And like speaking from someone who loves Kobe, I'm a huge Lakers fan. I don't actually think they should do this. Um, but trade what do you think on Kyrie's comments about changing the logo for the entire association from Jerry West to Kobe?
0: Yeah. So, um, I took this topic of the topics you gave us because it took me out of my comfort zone. Um, so I I want everyone to bear with me on my points here. Um, you know, I, I come from a I come from a non-typical. I'm not I'm like sport of basketball. Um, I I okay. um, am white. That doesn't help. Um, and, and and I just ha- I, so my, my perspective might be a little bit different, but I hope that you enjoy it either way. Um, Anyway, so the logo of the NBA is obviously Jerry West. But back then, back in 1969, when the logo was was created the nba was in comp was in a i would say battle with 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 another basketball association vying for who's going to be the main basketball association of of you know of the of the united states and they brought in um um they brought in siegel as a as a gentleman who um who basically does marketing and does logo creation. And he, he found a picture of Jerry West in this, in this position, in this, you know, in this athletic straight up position. And he looked at it and he said, this, this silhouette really gives, gives light to the, to the game of basketball. You know, it's, it's, it's an athletic position. It kind of, it kind of exemplifies the, the, the speed of the game, the, the type, the, the kind of, the kind of thing that basketball is all about. So it's very generic. Now, the problem that, that the problem, I think, is that it, it we, everyone figured out that it was Jerry West in, at the end, because I think that if it was any I think if it was nobody, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I think in, re, in reality, the NBA logo is meant to to represent the NBA, not one player, not the superstars. We had this conversation before there. there there's players that we've seen in the past and there's players that we're going to see in the future. And the NBA logo is meant to to showcase the NBA it's generic. It's normal. It's just the way things go, um, and I think that if you put, if you if you give it, if you give the logo a, a if you give the logo to anybody, and I, I'm not, I'll get into the Kobe one to Kobe later, but if you give it to someone, let's say it's Kareem's hook shot or whatever, it kind of makes it about the player as opposed to about the league, and that's what that's what I'm kind of concerned about when I look at it that way. Now, albeit the league is predominantly. Created, or I'm sorry, it's been driven by you know African Americans, Black people in this in you know in and it's it's grown that way and that's what we that's and they have created this sport and 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 created such love for the sport with their with the athleticism and what they've done. With that said, I don't think Kobe is the right person to. If they're going to change the logo, I don't think Kobe is the right individual. I know, I I know that we you know I know that the last year has been tragic and I, for the for players and, and it's tough to say this because I am talking to three Lakers fans and one who idolizes Kobe, but he has had a checkered past and I think that that's tough to I think that's tough to to kind of get over the NBA is going to have to kind of get over that but I, in reality I think the NBA has a better way to to um, to honor Kobe and I think that they just need to be patient on, on what that's going to be. But here's the reality, in my opinion, if you're gonna change the logo, it needs to be from it needs to be from a from an original African American who really pioneered the game that, that we maybe not don't talk about much. I'm looking at like a Don Barksbale. He's the he's the first NBA superstar who was an African American. He was the first to join the Olympic team as an African American. He's timeless. He's a gener- He's and he's not that he's generic, but he kind of represents the entire NBA as a whole and to me i think it's much i think it'd be much more impactful to to give the to give the nod to someone who did does not get paid millions like they do today who does who who faced extreme issues on and off the court back in the 40s and 50s I mean, I know it's just not tolerated now, and I'm not saying that it's per that it's perfect by any means. We still have a long way to go, but we are not where we were back then. And they had to go through that, and they and they succeeded, and they and they paved the way for Kobe to be who he is, for LeBron to be who he is, for MJ to be who he is. So MJ shouldn't be on the logo, Kobe shouldn't be on the logo, um, you know, any of those players shouldn't be on the logo. I think it should be someone who really was a true pioneer to to pave the way for, for the, 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 league to be what it is now. And if you're going to give it to, to an African-American, I think Don um, Barksdale is
3: your, is the best option if you're going to change it at all. Traden, that was an unbelievable take. That was incredible. I'm not even, we're just going to leave that and move on. I do. I, I think, would like to hear your guys' I mean, take on that. I don't, yeah. I, I personally have nothing else to say. I think what you just said was incredibly heartfelt and amazing. Um, other, you know, boys, if you have anything you want to put in, feel free to do so.
1: Yeah, no, Shane, that was awesome. I mean, um, you know, you really did, you know, put a lot of thought into that. So that was great. You know, obviously myself being a huge Kobe fan, you know, uh, at first I'm like, hell yeah, I switched it to Kobe. But then when you, when you do think about it, you know, everything you said about it representing the league and, you know, you know, giving the, another name to it, I think is, is amazing. and something that, you know, definitely was, uh. Very well thought. I an- well thought out answer. Yeah,
2: I don't disagree with anything you said, Traden. But if it was Kobe, what shot would it be? That's question. Like, would it be like his classic,
3: like fadeaway? Like it's got to be the fadeaway jumper. Yeah, got to be the fadeaway, <laughs> huh? Yeah, uh, James, you were going to say something. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, so I'm just going to play the other side of the coin here, um, Traden, You made a lot of great points. A lot of things I didn't even think about, but uh, it's gonna be tough to put into words. But like, one of your biggest points was you didn't want to make it about the player. You wanted to make it about the association. You wanted to make it about the league, and that's why you didn't want Kobe on there as one of your main points. And it's like Kobe changed the game for more people than Don Barksley. I forget his name. I'm sorry. No, like I don't not respect the guy, but in in meantime, yeah, Kobe changed the the game. He influenced more people than that guy did. And his reach goes far and far and far and far. Like when, you shoot, when you shoot something into a basket right now, like something in the trash, what do you say? You say Kobe. And it's like, you're not even a basketball fan, but you still do it anyway. He changed the game for so many people. And the other point you made was he has a checkered past, so he shouldn't be on there. And the reality is, is that nobody's perfect. And by only putting people who are deemed as perfect on the outside to be your logo, it's now painting a picture that every single person out here has to be perfect and putting an unreasonable expectation on them to be perfect and that causes emotional scarring it causes distress it causes anxiety that's not the case nobody's perfect people have a checkered past and people get past it at convicts people make mistakes but they can a lot of them can rehab and become better people from it and should they be scarred forever should they have to wear a scarlet letter from the, that point forward possibly if the crime is heinous enough but the fact of the matter is, people can change, and people can grow better from mistakes that they've made. I like that. Throwing
0: out some sure. literature.
3: Look at that, Scarlet. Letter.
0: I like that. <laughs> I, I would, I would push back on this. God forbid something happens to a LeBron James in the same, in the same manner that 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 what happened to Kobe. Do we have this discussion? Do we have this discussion when Mike, if if something happens to Michael Jordan? I mean, there's got to be a line. And that's, that's what you're fighting is that we're, are we going to have this conversation every time that something tragic happens to someone who's changed the game in more ways that, than we can even put into words. And I would say that an individual, like, I I totally am with
4: you. I just, I'm just pushing back on that, on that one, I guess. I think the stars are kind of aligning in more ways than one, in one way. The first way is that the logo has been around for a long time. So it could be time for an upgrade. And two, right now we're at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. We've gone through a lot of cultural changes and a lot of opening people's minds to different things that have happened in the past that people have not really thought about before. And so to do it right now in this time period, when all this is happening seems right. Kyrie's major argument was that black people built this league. You're right. African-Americans built this league. And that was his main point. It wasn't to disparage Jerry West and all that he's done. It wasn't to disparage NBA. It was to point out the fact that, Hey, Hey, African-Americans still aren't getting the respect that they deserve. And this is one way to show it, putting Kobe on the logo. I'm with you. I just
0: think that he, I guess my only point is I think, I think that that would be the wrong, um, the, the, the wrong individual, but I do. I, I think that that wouldn't be a terrible option either. I think it's just, a, I think it's a good topic either way to, to have a discussion about anyway. Um, but that's why I took it. It took me out of my comfort zone.
3: <laughs> yeah. I think you guys both did a really good point uh, or made good points. Um, It is tough. And that's why we're having this discussion. Um, I don't know if there's one correct answer. I think there's a lot of points that can be made for and against Um, you guys both did a really good job, Um, but kind of falling off of what James just said, um, you know, this, the league, the NBA has a lot of very outspoken players. Um, Kyrie, one of them for sure. He has been, I mean, he's stated earlier this season He considered retiring and using his influence to help the black lives matter movement, to help racial injustice, to move, you know, to move our society forward and other players like LeBron have done that as well. Russell Westbrook just announced he's going to open a school in LA. Um, On the other side. So Zoltan Ibrahimović, we've never really, we've talked about soccer once on this, on this (laughs) podcast, and we're into episode 30, whatever we're on. He's an international soccer star. He's played in both Europe and the United States. Um, He came out and kind of called LeBron out specifically saying, you know, athletes, they get famous and then they start talking about politics. They shouldn't really do that. What do they know? And LeBron came back and said, look, I have a voice. I have the option to do this and I do, I, you know, I do my research and I, you know, I'm not going to stop saying what I believe in. And James, you just made great points on you know, this Kobe logo debate. What do you think about both sides of this? Um, you know, We can focus on these two guys. If you want to focus on athletes in general talking about politics, we can. Um, I'm going to kind of give the floor to you right now, um, but
4: go ahead. Yeah, I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic is wrong 100%. I believe that every single person on this earth has a right to voice their opinion. And just because you're an athlete doesn't mean you're not allowed to do so. They have a platform. They have a following. They can say what they want. Influencers on social media say what they want too; They don't get dispatched for it. A lot of people argue that because athletes make a lot of money and because they're not in like reality as in a regular person's reality day to day, that they don't know what the world is like, that they're going to, make decisions and say things out of this euphoric world where nothing makes sense only to them, you know, but the fact of the matter is a lot of these athletes, if you look at their past, they didn't grow up rich. A lot of these guys had terrible childhoods that they relied on sports. They're so good at sports because they had to rely on it to get out. LeBron James, single mother household. Like he lived in terrible places had to move around like crazy ends up being the best basketball player almost ever. He gets to voice of the opinion. He's seen some things that we have not seen. He's seen more reality than a regular person has ever seen before. And it's crazy to think that people are disparaging him and saying, you don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, no, dude, we don't know what we're talking about. We're privileged. Me included. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm colored skin, but I, I've always had a roof over my head. Like I had, like, I've always had food on the table. I'm privileged. Some people, some athletes are not. They haven't had parents. Some people haven't had parents. They've seen more things. Their reality is harsher than ours. They should be able to say what they want to say because they made it out of it. On the flip side of that, people are always like, let the politicians talk about politics. You stay in your lane and play sports. Politicians are liars. Politicians go up there and they talk politics to get elected. Again, to stay in office. Again, they will say whatever they can say in order to get reelected athletes on the other hand what do they gain from saying what their opinion is they already have all the money in the world why would they lie to people and tell them wrong things they're literally becoming the voice of the people the politicians won't do it because they're afraid they won't get reelected athletes will say what they need to say because they don't care <laughs> like at the end of the day they're still probably gonna get a paycheck they're still gonna get in to play the game they love so they're gonna say what they think and hope that it resonates with others and hope that other people can see it and it becomes a movement black lives matter was exacerbated by athletes it got as big as it did because of athletes left to the politicians it'd be squashed and nobody would ever hear about it the world is changing athletes have voices everybody has a voice if you have a platform use it
2: damn what a fucking take what a fucking mic drop right there james damn it, yeah,
3: james that was in yeah that was also incredible um yeah, you know this is not the first time LeBron's been called out. Um, Laura Ingram, she's a Fox News host or whatever she does. You know that was the whole shut up and dribble thing. That's kind of along the same lines. And instead, it's a pol- you know a political reporter, and now it's a- another star athlete. I agree with you. Um, everyone has the right to their opinion. Um, you know people are going to disagree with your opinion. That's why it's called a fucking opinion. Like that's literally what the definition is. It's not a fact and it's opinion everyone has the right to voice their own opinion. And you know what? LeBron has seen things that the five of us have not seen on both directions. His childhood is not something that any of the five of us have ever experienced. And his adulthood is not something unless we win the lottery is probably something we're also not going to experience. So he, you know, athletes are James, you nailed it. they are some of the people that have seen both sides and it's some of the only people that will ever see both of those sides. You know, a lot of people, if they're born into privilege, they can continue to live their life into privilege. And a lot of people who are born into poverty never get the opportunity. They never get the support to move past that poverty to, you know, to grow themselves. Um, so I agree with you. I think, you know, athletes can voice their opinions. Um, you need to do it in a, in a healthy manner. And I think LeBron and a lot of these guys in the NBA have done that in a really, in a really great way. Then there's other people like Kurt Schilling, for instance, who has not done that in a great way and he's going and just attacking people. And that's, that's not the way to do it. We're not going to get into Kurt Schilling because that's a mess right now. But if, if if you, if you can voice your opinion in a way that's honest and open, and then you're open to criticism and open to the conversation, I see no problem with having that conversation. That's the, you know, that's how we grow as a society. Um, This is going to get, this is getting really heavy. I really didn't mean for it to get this way, but this is where we're at, I guess. Um, Last, last uh, little topic for the night. Um, Just like we were talking about with Kyrie, you know, African-Americans have really grown the sport of basketball, but it is a global sport. I mean, I, we, I talk about Luka Doncic as much as I possibly can. um, And he's a white guy from Eastern Europe, um, you know, Asian-Americans and Asians in general are huge basketball fans. I mean, look at what Yao Ming did for the NBA. And then look at what Jeremy Lin has done for the NBA. You know, after Yao Ming retired, there really wasn't another huge Asian influence in the association. Jeremy Lin came in in the early 2000s. Lin Sanity happened. He's kind of bounced around the league from there. Um, he's currently in the Golden State Warriors uh, G League, which is, you know, their kind of minor league system or however you, I don't know, however you want to call it. Um, and he's faced a lot of – he's faced some criticism, and he came out this week and spoke about how on the court he's been called coronavirus. Um, you know, I'm obviously, you know, COVID originated in China. Um, and I wanted to talk about that too. And, Tyler, what do you – like, I'm – Personally, I think it's really brave for Jeremy Lin to speak about this openly um, and call people out. Um, What do you think on this Jeremy Lin story um, and just kind of your thoughts on it all? Yeah, um,
1: you know, I think the first thing, you know, I think, first of all, I didn't know Jeremy Lin was still playing basketball. So good for him. Uh, That that fires me up. Um, He's still balling (laughs) and and, and still doing his thing. Um, Had a hell of a night the
4: other night, by the way. I think he put up like almost 40 points.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. awesome. Uh, I mean Jeremy Lin was and you know was one of the you know biggest stories in basketball not 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 too long ago and um, you know for him to come out and, t- and talk about this stuff is I think it's very important. You know I think we've with with the coronavirus there's been you know a lot of hatred towards Asian Americans because of the origin the re- origin of the virus and people kind of blame you know people from that area for it because. That's how we are, unfortunately. Never, we always blame other people, and we don't take a look at ourselves and really realize what did we do wrong. It's more what the other person did wrong. What did they did to me? It's you know classic victimizing yourself, um, and, and this is just another cul- culprit of that kind of culture. Um, and it's 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 shameful, you know, that you know we we live in a world where where this, this stuff happens. Um, but it's important to 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 notice it. It's important for people to to, to speak out about speak speak out about it. Um, We've seen, you know, a kind of a rise in a lot of uh, Asian American hate crimes recently, the because of of the of the virus, and um, it's 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 a shame. Um, and I hope that you know the more awareness that you know can be brought to it, you know, the quicker change can happen. Um, obviously, we we've seen you know a huge influence with the with the Black Lives Matter movement, and you know, hopefully that that is spurring change. I think it it's change has already kind of started to unfold, and there are still a lot of members of our society that, you know, are, you know, the minorities and Asian Americans are part of that. And, uh, you know, there, there's still a lot of that that needs to be done all across the board. Um, so, you know, it's just, I think for me personally, it's just, it's frustrating to see this happen over and over again. Um, but it's, it's really important that we keep talking about it and we keep discussing it both just with all these different types of, uh, 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 situations because it's not just it's not just black Americans it's it's not just Asian Americans you know pretty much every you know every kind of you know minority is going through something like this Um, and it's important to talk about all of them Um, and it's yeah I I think for me it it, it's, it's just frustrating you know I think it's just another another you know that you know kind of salt in the wound, I guess, with this, with this country right now. Um, and, uh, ho- hopefully, you know, people can learn from it. Hopefully if, you know, you have any kind of, if, if you have any kind of hatred towards the Asian American community, you know, and if you blame Asians in general for the uh, virus, you know, you need to take a look at yourself because that's just, this is not what it is, you know? And, uh, it's, it's honestly more our country's handling of it than anything else. So, um, that's just really what needs to be said. And, you know, hopefully people can uh, see it that way. And like I said, you know, props to Jeremy Lynn for, for coming out and, and talking about it, because like I said, the, the, these are conversations that, that need to happen.
3: Yeah. Um, that's a very, that's a very good, um, you know, way to put it. Um, I think it's really brave of him and you know, you're right. You know, there's been a lot of focus on the black lives matter movement, uh, obviously completely understandable. Um, and this whole, kind of hatred towards Asian Americans because of the origin of the virus has kind of got swept under the rug, which is not entirely fair. Um, and, you know, Jeremy Lin is, you know, he's brave for saying this. He's an absolute baller. Um, you know, he's an NBA champion. Um, he was on that Toronto Raptors team and this has nothing to do with anything, but the dude's got some great hair, some great hair, Jeremy Lin. So um, this, this NBA segment got a little heavy um, but I think it's important that we talk about these things. Um, I think some good points were said, um, uh, but trade, that's all I got. Um, you know, we'll probably get back to some lighthearted stuff next week, but, um, a lot of crazy shit going on in the NBA this week. So. Yeah,
0: no, that was, that was great discussion. Um, I love it. Um, love it always, um, it's stuff that we need to talk about. Um, and, and I'm glad you, we brought it up and we all have good, good, um, perspective. Um, But that's it for the podcast this week. Um, We hope you enjoyed. And if you guys have any, you know, comments, if you guys want to tell us we're idiots, please do so on Instagram, um, YouTube. I think we're still posting on YouTube. Um, James, are you still doing those TikToks? Are are people engaging on that?
4: Uh, I've been busy, so not recently, but I will start this week again. Good.
0: Good. And uh, to everyone who reads my uh, power rankings religiously, which is probably like four people. They're really um, good, by the way. Seriously. Was that?
4: they're super good uh
0: yeah so um that'll be up tomorrow sorry i'm late um it's been busy I'm, there's a lot of stuff in my life that is um, going on right now so um i'm just trying to catch up but um that's all i have um fans thank you guys thank you for another great podcast um we look forward to bringing you another great one next week